Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Oh my gosh, I like had a hiccup right as I started. <laughs> my life sucks. <laughs> Redux. <laughs> All right, let's do this again. Shoot. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London is Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for official London Is Blue Chelsea gear. That's right, the only place you can get it. Uh, I'm happy to be able to have our full crew here for a late Tuesday night pod session. Everyone, listeners, speaking of sacrifice, Nick, what did you use for an excuse to watch the match today? No excuses needed. Uh, I'm lucky to uh, to work in a good a good office, but uh, you know I chose that time to catch up on some administrative work, some emails, things that I could do while also uh, tweeting like a maniac uh, from our podcast account. So um, lucky, lucky to work where I work. Yeah, it's also good just to line up your lunch in that time frame too, because uh, then you can also be eating. You know, you can be very social about it, and you know, kind of. Yeah, get get the atmosphere going a little bit too. That's a pretty late lunch for you, Dan. 
you know, it's a, it's a late lunch or you could consider it an early dinner if you'd like. I, I don't know. Either way. Well, I'm sure you'll be looking to have a little midnight snack when we get done with this. But Nick, we have some more iTunes reviews. You guys, these are rolling in and they're fantastic. Uh, yeah. We love that you guys want shout outs, especially you timed it right this week from the powder keg. That's right. Um, so in the U.S. store, we have uh, buy extremely important. So I'm going to just go ahead and trust that you're extremely important. Nice five-star review there. Very insightful analysis of the matches and the team. A pleasure to listen to. No, you're a pleasure. Um, who farted 1106? Uh, really appreciate that as well. In-depth analysis of Chelsea FC. We appreciate that. Canada, back in the mix. Um, Jack, back, hack, lack. That's, you just tried to mess with me there, clearly. Uh, and then the UK store, back on the grid after a, an absence last week. With uh, output design, Greg and Jess, and uh, you, Greg and Jess left this epic review. We might have to Brandon put this in our show notes because I, if I read it, then it's going to take half the show, and I'm, you know, that's not what people want to listen to. We can definitely get this in the show notes up on our website. Again, if you guys ever want to know about a link or a tweet, if your tweet was mentioned or if your review maybe was mentioned, I'll get those on our website, LondonIsBluePodcast.com. Thank you, everyone. For your kind words. Again, if you want to shout out next week will be from Dan. Uh, you know what to do. Head up to that iTunes store and leave us that five-star review. Guys, there's so much that's going on with this. But right before we get into this Liverpool match, we've got a really exciting offer that we're doing with World Soccer Shop. Uh, Dan, what do we have for him? Well, you know, d- deadline day, come and gone. Uh, Mikel has gone off to uh, seek fortune and fame in China. Uh, Vanovich has gone uh, to Russia. And, uh, you know, I, I think our friends at World Soccer Shop have a couple extra jerseys lying around. Is that right, Nick? That is correct. Uh, we're, we're excited that uh, we were able to get this turned around really quickly for you guys. Um, obviously, we, we put out a lot of stuff about Ivanovich and Mikel over the last few weeks. And uh, what we wanted to do was set up a, a mini contest. So, if you uh, head over via the link in our description here uh, to this uh, to this page, uh, then you will be able to enter to win a size jersey of your choice of either John Obi Mikel or Branislav Ivanovic. Dan, it's the proper way to send off these two Chelsea legends, legends that have won basically everything there is to win uh, in in club football. Yeah, they've uh, they've they've clearly won more than us uh, in general, and uh, won more than many other teams uh, could ever say that they've won. So again, great way to stay warm because it is a shirt; it goes over your body. It's going to keep you looking sharp. Uh, again, great opportunity to send it off with the legends and style. Thanks to our partners with World Soccer Shop. Thank you very much indeed. Again, guys, it's a free jersey that you have a chance to win get on over there it's all across our facebook twitter and website but here we got to go liverpool premier league match we headed over to anfield and the matches this past tuesday a rare midweek match for the blues thank you fa for that scheduling nightmare score if you missed it blues one reds one dan lineup time as far as we go obviously had a lot of changes with the fa cup but we're back to our bread and butter exactly what you would expect yeah, you know, I think the the only change, you know, they looked at, uh, you know, Courtois on the back. That wasn't a surprise. Azpilicueta, Luis, Cahill, right in front of him. You had the Victor Moses, Conte, uh, Nemanja Matic, Alonso, midfield. And then uh, Hazard, Diego Costa, and William 
jumping in over Pedro, which uh, you know, I think uh, a few of us, you know, might have expected. I know, I think Nick was absolutely looking forward to that uh, that change happening based upon some current form of our boy Big Willie style. And then we also had some subs. You know, we saw Pedro come in the second, the second minute. Cesc Fabregas comes in in the 83rd minute. And then Mishi Bachuayi comes in uh, right about the end of the game uh, for some just uh, courtesy minutes. I think it was courtesy minute. I think he was live for less than a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was the, uh, the the poppy experience. Yeah, I mean, we're back to minutes for Mishi on this one. But it was different, right? It was minute for Mishi. But it, it was a different match. You know, it's obviously much closer. And... The situation is different, but you know, Nick, I'm going to go right to you on this talking about that William chosen over Pedro before the match, before having hindsight to everything. Why did that make sense to you? Primarily because um, William was taken off first in the FA cup. Um, so as soon as that happened, I was actually looking, you know, if Pedro or William would come off um, and Pedro played the entire game uh, and, and William, didn't so it kind of signified to me that William was gonna to play this match he got a little extra rest and uh, I think it, it would have been my choice anyway and and I uh, the reason I would have picked William over Pedro is just primarily for his performance that he logged against Manchester City earlier in the year uh, I think that he provides a dynamism and a counterattacking threat that that Pedro trialy might just you know doesn't have that kind of speed uh, and directness so I think it made sense for Antonio Conte. I don't think he had a particularly amazing match by any means. Um, but uh, but I think, you know, I understood the rationale, and, and that's why I tweeted that via our podcast account. It's pretty interesting if you look at this match, Dan, with everything in, you know, taken into account. Chelsea actually had 38% possession. I mean, half of what we normally have. We had two shots on target to Liverpool's three, and we actually had eight shots versus their seven overall. So the crazy thing is we only had three quarters of the touches, just over half of the passes that Liverpool had. We didn't have a lot of possession, but again, when we did, we created, we were way more efficient and effective with the possession we did have in this match. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we definitely were able to play out of the back, you know, especially after that first kind of rocky, like 15, 20 minutes where we, uh, definitely we're trying to get out of our half of the field and struggling kind of getting pushed back in and pushed back in. And as the game evolved with some of the substitutions, it did become a little bit more free flowing, especially as Conte kind of got a little bit more involved there. Really, you know, he and Maddich started driving the ball forward a little bit more, got a little bit more of the cross play going on between Alonso and, and Moses. And that really started to give us the latitude to actually make some shots and kind of put some action into place. Speaking of Conte getting involved, uh, I missed it. I was actually in a meeting when the during about the first 25, 30 minutes of the match. What went on with Conte and having to have Clattenburg come over and talk to him, and then he ended up hugging Klopp? I totally missed that. Uh, he uh, may, may have kicked a ball, perhaps. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, you know, how he likes to make passes in the middle of the game. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, he, he kicked it, and... Uh, the referee was none too pleased, but obviously they came to an amicable um, meeting and, you know, just kind of said, Hey, no more. And, you know, then he tried to do the clop treatment on clop Dan, which is to, to bear hug someone into submission. Yeah. He, uh, he counted the clop or clop to the clop. I'm not sure how we're going to refer to it as, 
Um, but yeah, I, I really just thought, you know, Conte was wanting to check out the sweet tattoos that Clattenborough has, uh, you know, to in memory of all of his great <laughs> refereeing moments. He's such a douche. I mean, good God. <laughs> all right. It is. Yeah, we don't want to go down that alley. So I'm going to bring it back to you, Dan. Uh, Conte decided to take Hazard off in the second half. Now we talk about the substitutions, the decisions made by Don Conte. Uh, what did you think of Hazard, um, and did you think he was the right choice to take off instead of William? Um, uh, you know, I think that you know, in hindsight, you would have wanted to have uh, Hazard on for a penalty, but you can't play a game hoping you're going to get a penalty. And Hazard looked looked a little, a little sluggish. You know, and I think you know, there's been the kind of question recently: you know, is there an injury he's kind of carrying or working through? And you know, obviously, he's a dynamic player, and he makes some crazy brilliant runs, but he definitely looked a little out of step this match. And, you know, definitely, I think, you know, really as the game kind of wore on, he did not have the energy to really go the full 90 today. It was, it was interesting. I mean, normally you leave him on Nick because of what he can provide at any given point in the match. But to me, that was a signal from Conte saying, we don't need another goal. I'm going to put Pedro on who can give a much better defensive effort than what Hazard can. And then to follow that up, at DRC 263305 says, what in the world is going on with him? Yeah, I mean, we were we were talking before the show, and I think, you know, what Dan said is right. I Personally, I've had this conflict with Zard ever since he came to Chelsea. I mean, it's obvious that he has tremendous ability for most of the time. But I think the thing that I really get frustrated with is in games like this where – yeah, it's raining. Yeah, they're high pressing you. Yeah, they're in your face. Yes, they're kicking you. The top five players in the world find a notch to get beyond that most of the time. You know, not everyone has a good game every game, but I, I just I struggled with it because he just didn't play well. And it, I think that's the reason he came off is, you know, it's just he wasn't playing well. He looked gassed and, and he got the weekend off completely. Brandon, mm-hmm. I mean, this was this was not a, a case of, of heavy legs. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of you know I'm not I'm not gonna kill the guy, but it was a big game where we really needed him, and he didn't particularly show up in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of questions. People were really hoping for him to you know take this match by the horns and really lead the team out there. And you know when he did get involved, he had some very bright moments. Uh, he took a lot of kicks and seemed like that. They kind of kicked him out of the game. You know, he lost his interest, unfortunately. Um, but but hold up though, I, you know, and I'm 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 struggling with this because he's not the only player on the field that gets fouled, right? Like, I'm just saying he handles it differently. He handles it poorly. I think is what we're trying to say. Like there, there's a level of everyone gets fouled in the Premier League, and and a lot of them are tough tackles. I'm not taking the physicality out of the scenario. Like if I got tackled like that, I'm sure I wouldn't walk for a week. Okay, so I'll just flat. There's the baseline. But he's a professional footballer. He's been doing this his entire life. And, you know, if Diego Costa, who got taken down ruthlessly a couple of times today, while also play acting for a couple of times today, can deal with these tackles in the way that he does, I mean, Hazard has much less uh, of a fall than Diego does, being so short. So, I, you know, I, I struggle with it because he's just not – and it's been the last, what, four or five matches, Brandon, that he hasn't really looked – like himself 
he, he goes through these lulls, ups and downs all, all season. It's almost exhausting to watch. Yeah, I'm about to make a sacrifice on my fantasy team to drop him so that he takes that personally and raises his there game. You go. <laughs> um, but, you know, back to what you're saying, Nick, I had a, one of my really, really good friends from playing uh, growing up and then through college. He was a very tricky winger, loved to mimic Ronaldo's style. And if he got fouled, he looked at it as like a personal – he just took it personally. Like, why would you foul me when I'm clearly better than you? You should let me go. And I kind of see the same traits in Hazard. He doesn't get that people would play this like brute style game when it's such a free flowing, silky smooth, you know, you should be running with me trying to get it off me. And if I beat you, I'm gone. I don't have a good answer. I'm just saying I've seen it from other players throughout my time playing and they just, they're not up for it. They don't want anything to do with it. Uh, thankfully, Diego Costa and other players can ride the tackles a bit better and t- and take them but you know some guys you literally can get kicked out of the game and that's just something yeah i think the thing that i would take away from it though is that you look at what the rehabilitation project that conte has taken on with the, the squad this season and how he's been able to help transform diego costa you know, it definitely looks like the opportunity now is how do you engage hazard and build a mental toughness within him and if he was able to take probably one of the most explosive players you know we've seen you know in the premier league and help him rebuild his mentality around it to you know kind of jedi mind trick him or inception him in some way whatever it was you know i think the next reclamation project is how does antonio conte develop a level of steel and and hazard so that these you know the, there's a, a general plateau and if there's a dip the dip is not where he's not a contributor and has to be pulled off. The dip is, I know what, he only had an assist that game. Yeah, that would I would definitely be the next level. Really quick. I mean, he has a guy, and we're going to transition to this guy. So it's, you know, it might just be your, I'm segueing for you, Brandon. But we have a guy called David Louise on our team who I think is one of the toughest Premier League players, um, considering not only the workload he puts in every match, but the physicality that goes for and against him at times a guy who's played on you know one leg for you know a majority of uh, the game since man city and who got hurt again today and really toughed it out he's a guy that everybody loves and i'm i'm wondering can can he put hazard through a mentality shift if if antonio conte is not getting through because uh, a guy like david louise who you know in the past has had all of the um, accolades and and has won almost everything to win like he, he's the example, you know, he still plays good football, you know, especially for a center back, especially with someone his size and his technical ability. But, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, where that is with Hazard, if it's just simply a mental thing. Look, you have different players with different styles for a reason, because it gives you different looks, different attacks, a, a good balance to the team. I think that if Hazard was, is kind of wall busting is David Luiz or something, you would lose a lot of the creativity and the edge. Now, I th- I don't think that three kicks should take his art out. He absolutely needs to either A, get rid of the ball sooner so he avoids the tackles completely, um, or just be able to get around it somehow because it seemed like it didn't take a lot to get him to be out of his groove and out of his rhythm. But like I said, I mean, there's different players have different thresholds, have different strengths and weaknesses. His just is not, he does not have an ability to take multiple tackles in a match. Well, I, or 
here's another answer for you. How about you take someone on, get them on a yellow so that they're a lot more cautious the next time they approach you, which he had, you know, did not do today at all. I sent out a tweet in the 24th minute wondering where his take on ability has gone because that that's his trademark. I mean, he loves beating players one on one. And you've seen that throughout his Chelsea career. He's done it a lot. He'll just he'll go through these. It's it's almost like he's an artist, Brandon, that goes to this creative slump where he, you know, he'll tear it up for five, six matches in a row and then hits writer's block and can't can't figure out for the life and what's what's the next word he's gonna write. You know, that, that's how I feel about him. And it's like that's why I'm so frustrated because you know the talent he has. Yeah, I think, you know, and not to belabor the point, but I think also there was a lot of problems on that left flank today, uh, you know, with True. Alonzo as well. And I think what has happened in previous games is, you know, you look at some of the form Hazard has, you know, part of that is the partnership he has. And Alonzo was mistiming so many passes today, and it was basically like a, you know, it was a freeway traffic jam as every time we were starting to make some momentum or movement forward. And, and that also frustrates him, you know, and from what we've seen, you know, you see him throw his hands up in the air. You see him kind of point to where he wants the ball. And, and that's, I think, a bit of a struggle too for him is that, you know, he's expecting his teammates to play at his level or at a level that at least is going to complement him effectively. And I think at least on the left flank today, that was part of the culprit to the larger issue of Hazard's frustration and then ultimately withdrawal from the game. So Hazard had two take-ons today. Pedro came off the bench, had two take-ons, and this is probably going to upset you a little bit, and we'll end with this so you can't respond as it. Moses had (laughs) five take-ons today for Chelsea. We got more matches to play. Hopefully it's a blip. I am concerned that he did have the entire weekend off and still came out like that. But we got to move on. We haven't even gotten to our questions yet. But it's goal time. 24th minute. Thankfully, Chelsea were able to get the first goal. I think this was absolutely crucial for the Blues. It was also completely unexpected because we definitely started slow and spent a lot of time defending David Luiz, being the heads-up player he is, took advantage of a quick free kick opportunity, catching the entire Liverpool team and possibly William Dan off guard. So not only are we looking for you to comment on this, but my man Steven from Facebook asked, did William even know Luiz was going to take that free kick or was it truly a spur of the moment, just natural instinct from David Luiz? Yeah, no, dog, he... He had no idea that free kick was coming from Louise. I think that was one of the most heads up plays I've seen in a really long time because he saw the wall was not set. He saw that there was still movement of players, and he's like, okay, I looked over there, Clamber. Yeah, he's got the whistle going. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and take this kick because I know I can nail it in here. And that was class. It was, you know, it, it was sideshow ish. You know, it, it was everything that we know and love about David Louise. And I think we've all been waiting for that free kick goal from him since he's returned to the club. And that's been really nice to see. And uh, yeah, I think it's one of the best goals we've scored this season, at least one of the most enjoyable goals we've scored all season. Oh yeah. I mean, my response was to start laughing, but it was so perfect (laughs) because even if Mignolet was ready, it hit the post and in, it knuckled and dipped. I mean, he hit that with the technique as if everyone was set and ready and he only needed to place it. Um, It was It was impressive, and his timing was impeccable. Unfortunately, Nick, in the 57th minute, Liverpool were able to equalize 
after Chelsea's defense came unglued, we were stepping out of the box from a cleared corner, a cleared cross. And unfortunately, that early ball to the Milner at the back post caused a lot of chaos. We didn't get our our man, our men marked like we should have. And the ball ended up at Wijnaldum's head. And he just hit it home from close range. But, you know, you had to call me out in that group text today, didn't you, about that? Yeah, uh, so two parts of this. First part is this was eerily reminiscent of the two goals that Tottenham scored against us a, a few weeks back. Um, kind of that angled ball in from the from the right side. You know, it Milner didn't score it himself, but you know, you could kind of see the path of that ball. And Moses was caught. Um, you know, I love Victor Moses, but he was caught um, flat-footed. So Milner got in behind and then, you know, a, a bit lucky that the ball deflected right to one album. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I, I think the the thing you could have done, maybe, Brandon, is uh, Courtois was there. You know, I, the header wasn't anything spectacular. He headed it down and Courtois is right there. I, I'm surprised he didn't do better with that. I'm surprised he at least didn't get a hand to it um, because he's made some much harder saves in the, in the last, you know, 15, 16 matches um, than that one. And and that kind of surprised me that, that no one else was giving him a little bit of stick there. It's actually quite a difficult save. They tell everyone to hit it down because getting your hands for a six, seven guy down to the ground uh, takes quite a bit of athleticism and speed. I hear what you're saying. It was close to him. It's kind of right at his feet. It's just this really awkward position. Um, he also has a lot coming at him. He kind of has to wait for it to get to him before he reacts. I, I, it's tough. Like, I expect him to make that save 50% of the time. So, I mean, he probably still should have got a hand on is what you're saying. I'm not going to go that far. But, guys, question number Goalkeepers one. union. Goalkeepers <laughs> union. Hey, tweet at me if I'm wrong. At London Blue Pod. And my personal handle, BBBuzzVee. I'm happy to dig into this. <laughs> Question number one, David Luiz is a Chelsea hero and probably going to be a legend. I was so scared when he went down late in the first half with this uh, just this unknown knee injury, and that's when I realized he's absolutely irreplaceable in this squad. I saw JT warming up, Dan, and I said, I, I actually don't want that to happen. Uh, do you have any favorite adjectives for Louise in this match or just what about his performance today that inspired me? God, I have so many good analogies, uh, you know, gutsy, um, you know, gritty style of play. You know, he was, you know, a spark. You know, he, he was the one who started moving that ball forward. Uh, he was paying passes. He, you know, wanted to be involved in every facet of the game and, you know, had some good clearances, was very quick to respond in defense. And, and I think you're right. Like, I think I saw John Terry warming up on the sideline. I'm like, man, I, if that comes to fruition, like not only is that a bad thing for this game, but we've got a quick turnaround Arsenal and that would not be – he envious position to be in for John Terry to come back in on the side because his athleticism and ability is not anywhere near, you know, at this point in his career near what Louise can offer us playing in that central center back position, because that is where the magic happens in the back three. And, you know, he, he did have that weird turn. It looked like his foot had planted and he was kind of twisting around and, and that seems where like the knee kind of just pulled up in there. Uh, thankfully it didn't look you know too bad um you know it looked bad in the moment but you know i, I really hope that 
you know, we get the same performance that we've gotten from him all season coming up on, on Saturday because, you know, we, you're right, he's irreplaceable. Nick, Chelsea's top three players from today's match were David Luiz, Victor Moses, and N'Golo Kante in that order. Did you feel like Luiz put in the man of the match performance? And before you say anything, no spoilers into the man of the match poll results coming later. Here's what I'll say. I, I understand why people would voted or would have voted for him uh, as man of the match. Uh, I thought he was tremendous. Um, there was a, a great tweet out there, and I forgot. I, I'll try and source it later, but it said uh, um, leader, sideshow, legend. So that's kind of his new – that's the, the new Terryism. Um, you know, just he had everything today. I mean, it was – you know, he had the hilarity of the free kick. He had the injury. He showed the toughness. He cleared everything in the area. I mean, his positioning was impeccable. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's no surprise to me um, that that he's, you know, the most irreplaceable part of the, the squad right now. I mean, you know, you look at it without him, either Ake, Zuma, or Terry comes in um, right now, and, and none of those can match up to him. So... Uh, just a, a tremendous performance and, and glad that he uh, came back. Well, our next question has to deal with N'Golo Kante, Dan, someone who probably was one of the, never mind. He definitely was one of the front runners for match man of the match. And I think he actually was even considered the match of the season by someone today. This guy had 14 tackles out of 16 attempted. Okay. The next most was like, four or five um that's the most tackles of any player in a premier league match this entire season so far so how crucial was Conte for breaking up liverpool's relentless attacks and pressure and do you think we would have gotten the result without him today oh no uh you know i I think that he offers a level of he's such a good individual to interrupt something. He's like the, you know, the person with no social grace at a party who is interrupting every story that you're telling because he wants attention and he wants to be involved. And, you know, that, that is, you know, Conte is that he is every time a Liverpool player had a ball, he was pressing. Now there was one time where he gave the ball away, managed to make the run all the way back behind the Liverpool player and enforce the turnover again and, you know, it speaks to the fact that dude is, you know, he's not just an energizer battery. Like he is built of energizer batteries just running around that pitch. Um, I think it was Joe Tweeds actually who said that it was the man, a match of the season for Conte in a, a Chelsea shirt. And I think, you know, especially with some of the, you know, I don't know, just I feel like recently, you know, he's not been praised or he's, you know, kind of given, you know, gr- good performances from what he we've become accustomed to from him. Uh, I really think this was a great performance from him today. So speaking of amazing tweets that I can't source, uh, mainly because by the time I had seen it, I think it had been copy and pasted a couple of times. They said, I heard Angolo Conte lost his virginity once, and then he stole it back. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever whoever was the original source of that tweet was incredible. Um, He, I I tweeted out from our account, I think it's his best performance of Chelsea shirt. Um, He... He blew my mind today, Brandon, with his relentlessness. Um, and, you know, his heat map, you know, I don't know if they make white hot in the heat map, but if they do, then then that's what they need to give him today. 
Uh, yeah, he obviously covered um, an amazing amount of ground per usual. Um, you know, like I said, 14 tackles. I think that the big question now that I really want to dig into is, does it matter who plays alongside him? It did in the beginning of the season, but is it to a point where everyone is so well adjusted and understands the crazy array that he brings to this, Nick? Can we put Modic? Can we put Shalaba? Can we put, you know, uh, I don't know who played today, Modic, Shalaba, Fabregas. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, does it matter? Uh, matchup dependent. Um, I think that the problem, he is he is there in every match. Like, you could play him in every match. He's relentless, and he, he has amazing stamina, uh, just a nose for where the ball's going to go. I mean, between him and Louise, we have – you know, ball playing, ball reading, uh, midfielder and defender that nobody else in the league has. Um, but Fabregas has his obvious setbacks um, and obvious pluses. Uh, Shalaba is really young, positionally not great yet. He, he'll get there. Uh, and, and Matic is uh, a little lumbering and, and not as much of a forward-looking player. So, it's a weird scenario where we have this uh, amazingly, you know, you look back to September and we didn't have any depth anywhere, but now we have this incredible depth. Uh, it, you know, I th- it's very, very matchup dependent, Brandon, because uh, I-, I looked at it today and I-, I don't, I don't know if I would have played any other two except for Mata Chin and, uh, and Conte. Well, I mean, Dan, I'm interested to, you know, hear what you say as well. I know, you know, Nick's definitely, um Ben on that it's a matchup thing and I understand that but what do you think from your standpoint yeah you know I I think ultimately that what you saw when Fabregas had the opportunity to come on you still had the you know Conte's game shifts a little bit right like when it's managing him I think both of them are able to cover ground more quickly than Fabregas is so you see you know, Conte will go up a little bit forward sometimes and then necessary drop back. Matic will do the same uh, on both sides. When Fabregas is on the pitch, you know, typically when Conte is there, Conte you know, absorbs a little bit deeper, uh, almost like playing, you know, kind of shadowing Fabregas so that if something were to go awry, that he's capable of quickly uh, picking up the mess, as it were. Because when you take three seconds to tackle uh, or complete a tackle, you, uh, you definitely need some help occasionally. And... So I think it's okay for him to play next to Fabregas when Fabregas is going to get space. And I think that's where, you know, there's the thought, you know, when we've seen the, you know, uh, three, five, two formation, you know, displayed a couple of times this season and Fabregas is in there. Um, it's, it's amazing to watch because he gets the freedom, gets the spacing that he needs and, you know, gets also that defensive support that allows and kind of unlocks the quarterbacking, which at the end of the game was really nice to see because Diego Costa finally started getting the ball in positions to potentially do something with it. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. This is interesting. I know there's a lot of debate. People are always talking about Fabregas, bring him in, bring him in, but it's, it's probably not as simple as that, but you know, if N'Golo Conte is going to around making 14 tackles a game now on average, that might open up some, some flexibility. But question number three we've got is, Diego Costa didn't really make his mark on the match outside of the missed penalty, which we'll get to. So is there any cause for concern, Nick, or is this just a tough match for him because Chelsea really didn't even have much possession? Yeah, it was just a tough match for him. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of link-up play. Hazard 
you know, was struggling. Uh, William wasn't the best I've ever seen him. Uh, Matic, not the best passer forward. Um, and, and then Golo Conte was too busy doing everybody else's job. So uh, that left Moses and Alonso, who, you know, Moses got a really high rating from who scored, and and I didn't really think he played that well. So uh, Alonzo was a mess. So if you if you factor all that in, uh, yeah, there's no way he would have a bunch of service. Um, you know, Dan, I'm not sure uh, that even if Fabregas played the entire match, if he would have got a goal, just how how balls were falling uh, at his feet and stuff. Yeah, I mean, though to be fair, I think you you can't open the package if the postman doesn't deliver it. And there were a lot of times where he was left wanting, whether it was a misplaced ball from, from Hazard, whether it was, uh, you know, Alonzo potentially turning the ball over, uh, you know, with his passes and his distribution today, it was really, it was tough moving that ball and credit to, you know, Klopp and the high press deployed, which is really seemed to be the biggest challenge for this team, even when Fabregas came on and it was unlocking opportunities, it's not like it's instantaneous. And so I think that's, you know, brings to the conversation, like, you know, did he get on the pitch quick enough to help impact some change? Uh, but if you're not getting the ball forward, you're, you're not going to get the opportunity to score. And so I think, you know, Costa tried to be involved in the match, but, you know, outside of just a couple of opportunities really didn't get the chance to make an impact. And, you know, he, he does need some, some service forward. When you look at the uh, stats from this match, Diego Costa had 38 touches to Firmino 66. And I obviously did Firmino because he was there forward quote unquote for Liverpool. And I think that just kind of shows you how, Little he was actually involved. We didn't even really find him that much today. But when he did, you know, I thought I thought he did a good job. I thought he did have some pretty good link-up play with the attacking wide players. Uh, and especially when Fabregas came on. I mean, Fabregas was looking for him immediately, always first option. Um, and he almost got that shot off uh, late kind of in the second half there. So let us know what you guys think. Like I said, it was kind of a bit of a weird match for Costa, but... I don't think it was necessarily that bad just because uh, it wasn't involved, just didn't have a lot of opportunities. So we wouldn't be good podcast hosts if we didn't talk about how poor that penalty was for Costa or, well, I don't know, Nick, was it? You know, it was poor because it got saved, but, um, you know, this is, I'm going to let Dan talk about the uh, Costa taking penalties joke that everyone made. I think the, the more interesting part, and this is where Conte, you know, I think always has this in the back of his mind with taking Hazard off, even though I was fully supportive of his decision, is that we don't have, with Oscar gone, uh, we don't have a full array of penalty takers. You know, I think that in order, Costa would not be my first choice there. I think I would put David Luiz and Pedro uh, probably ahead of Costa in that regard, but. Um, he just didn't look confident, Dan. Like there, he, he, you know, he won the penalty. And there's, you know, an old saying out there: if you win the penalty, you never take the penalty. Um, you know, and, and he did that, and obviously missed. So, I, I mean, thoughts? Well, I, first thing I want to address: I think there were a lot of people like who were really upset that Hazard was taken off because then he would have scored the penalty because obviously he's extremely successful with it. That, that is that is batshit stupid logic. Like the game was not going well for Hazard and, and he needed to be, you know, replaced. 
And you can't get disappointed when a player comes in to replace him and then starts elevating kind of level the game because Pedro created some opportunities uh, for potential goals. So that was the right decision. You don't make a decision hoping that you're going to get a penalty in the next 20, 30 minutes. And man, I'm glad I have Hazard on the pitch so I can put him on and uh, he can score that for us. Like you play to score a goal. You don't play to get a penalty. Uh, I guess maybe you know, with Klattenberg in the future, we should change our thinking. Um <laughs> But it, it, was, it was, it was, it was a poor penalty. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought you know he could have done better. Um, you know, maybe the ball needs to be in movement for him to to score. Uh, but you know, David Luiz should have just ran up and, and kicked it in. I think that's what should have happened. He's the best penalty taker I've ever seen you know, because it's impossible to stop Brandon the the velocity that comes off of his foot. I mean, you're a goalkeeper. Tell us, tell us the easiest and hardest penalties to save. Easiest is the one you save. Hardest is the one that goes the opposite side you thought and you look dumb. No, I mean, David Luiz gives you less of a chance to react because he's running fast. You don't have a lot of time to process because it's an unusual type of penalty. Um, Look, at that level, they are all miserable. Um, But, you know, the fact that Costa didn't even get it to about a yard inside the post, um, that's not a great penalty. So, you know, it... We had other options. I agree with that. I would have loved to see a few other people step in before him. At the same time, he's a goal scorer. He's a finisher. Maybe you would expect it a little bit better, but it didn't cost us the match. And, you know, it. we'll, we'll get into this here in, in just a second. I just want to give a shout out to at Chelsea underscore mate who says, is or asked, is Costa our second best penalty taker? I think we unanimously said no here. Um but this is a perfect segue to our true or false question today. Chelsea, true or false, Chelsea won a point and did not lose two points against Liverpool. Dan, I want to start with you on this. Obviously, we're talking about did Costa's goal essentially cost us or was it not a big deal because we still got a point away on the road at Anfield? Yeah, I, I think that looking at it early in the season, I think you you hope to – you know, not lose, but draw potentially big games away from home because, you know, and whether it's in Anfield or Old Trafford, uh, the Emirates, you know, wherever it might be, you want to take at least a point away from any away game like that and have impeccable home form. You know, you want to be, uh, be like Burnley, you know, great, great home form, terrible away form. Um, you know, and Anfield is a tough place for us to play. So, you know, I, I am happy with a point because it means that we now have another point and, and when you look at the results achieved by our title rivals today, losing two points by not winning um, did not have as significant of an impact because we've actually picked up a point. Um, we've not dro- you know dropped any necessarily in comparison to Arsenal or Tottenham. So, you know, to me that that's that's a great day to enjoy and to take in and not be as I think frustrated or upset as I felt like uh, fans were online after the match today. Nick, what do you think as far as this goes? Chelsea winning a point and we didn't drop two. I mean, Dan's right. And in, in it's sound logic. Uh, I, I was more upset because of the other results. Uh, and if Costa puts away that penalty, uh, you know, Arsenal had dropped all three points. Uh, Tottenham dropped two points. You know, we would have beat Liverpool. Manchester clubs to play tomorrow that puts all of the pressure on them to go and have a result so it really frustrated me because it was right there for us you know I mean the 
know, the game was very sloppy. Uh, it was very high energy. You know, you don't, I don't think you go to Anfield expecting to win. You know, I think Dan's logic is really solid there, but man, I, you know, I was, I was bummed because of the other results. You know, the, the thing about playing, you know, 15 minutes later than everyone is, you know, by the, by the time Diego was about to slot home that penalty, uh, you know, you knew that Arsenal had lost and that Tottenham had drawn. We were all, all in that text message together. Uh, so I, I feel like we we did uh, lose points there, unfortunately. I am going to agree. I think that while before the match you would take a point and run with it, that that doesn't matter. We played the match. And at the end of the day, Liverpool had chances, but you had a penalty kick and you know, you make nine out of 10. And for me, that was way better than even a wide open Firmino header at the end of the match, because you control that situation. So to me, honestly, um, I think it was an even game. I think that one, one is a fair result, but do I think that Chelsea won a point and didn't lose two points? I disagree. I think that I'm I'm disappointed that we did not get all three points today with the chances we had, even with the little amount of possession, because when we did have them, they were better than what Liverpool had. So I don't think it's the end of the world, but man, I was bitter. I guess, you know what? Let us know again on Twitter, you guys. Email us. You're probably not going to agree with us necessarily, but we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, we'd be happy to debate on Twitter any other thoughts, guys, uh, on this match? Anything we may have missed, Nick, that you want to plug here real quick? Uh, we have our man of the match poll, our official London is blue man of the match poll. Um, so we had the four options. I didn't get a whole lot of flack this week, guys, uh, the last two that I've done. So maybe I'm getting it right. or Slowly learning. You're like an AI system. You're just evolving over time. Not not completely getting it wrong, I guess. Um, so we had Conte, Louise, Sesk, and Dave. Um, yeah, I didn't really know who to put in that four spot and Dave didn't really make any mistakes. So I put him there, um, <clears throat> with 67% of our vote, uh, Angelo Conte won. And I think that is the correct decision. He was, uh, just tremendous today. And, uh, as you know, I, I think Louise got blown out of the water here. He didn't get blown out of the water in other polls. So, um, yeah, we can all feel good about that, but Angelo Conte, my man doing work. Uh, it's kind of interesting here. It was an overwhelming result. I think that no one cared because the last two man of the matches were just so obvious that no one really cared what option three and four were, which makes your life easier. Um, I do want to point out that we had one miss vote uh, from at Josh underscore Linville. He said, and very honest with us about his, his misrepresentation of his one vote. <laughs> Just hit Sesk instead of Louise by accident. Dot dot dot. Well, we've adjusted it. Don't worry. Uh, Sesk is still at four percent and Louise at twenty seven percent. It did <laughs> not change it. Yeah, I, I just wonder how many Twitter accounts he has in different states, and uh, you know, kind of really need to investigate that. All right, Dan. Anything else that you wanted to touch on quick before we moved on to the standings? No, you know, I, I think you know, heading into the standings, you know, we're we're in a good spot. I mean, you know, still top of the table. You know, fifty six points. Tottenham, Arsenal tied, essentially goal difference, kind of, you know, keeping them apart at two and three um, at 47 points each. Liverpool, 46. So, you know, they get to, you know, stay ahead of Manchester City. But Manchester City's at 43. So if they win tomorrow uh, and they can kind of, you know, their goal difference is dreadful, though, in comparison. Like they are in a really, really bad spot with that. So 
you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Arsenal match on Saturday. You know, I think that we're in a really good spot. Well, specifically how it stands um, at the top, Chelsea, obviously, running away with it, I hope. Uh, 23 matches played for us on 56 points. Tottenham have also played 23 and are in 47 points uh, in second. Arsenal, third place, uh, 23 matches played, 47 points as well. And then you've got Liverpool, who will remain in fourth also played 23 on 46 points. So the only teams that have yet to play on Wednesday that we won't have updated results are the two Manchester clubs. But even if they both win, that won't change our nine-point lead at the top. So that's what we've got for this match review. Let us know if we missed anything, anything else you want to see. Otherwise, we're going to do a quick, quick break, and then we're going to be back with your social media questions. Here we go. Hey, hey Dan. Oh, hey, what's up then, Nick? How's it going? Great. Uh, do you know what else is great? Well, I think you're going to say our Instagram account. That is correct. You're, oh. You just read my mind every time. It's uh, it's almost like this is printed somewhere where we can both read it. Uh, I think uh, the thing that we're trying to get across here is we want more followers on our freaking Instagram account. So, uh, you know, Brandon and I have been contributing there along with photos from Chris Axon. Dan, uh, where can they find us and, and how often should they go like our photos? Well, I think they should like every single photo. And I know that you also have been posting some uh, some you know video on there, too. This is not just pictures. Uh, and that's at, uh, at London Blue Pod on Instagram. So hit it up. All right, Chelsea fans. Well, that's true. Check out our Instagram. If you're hardcore, you'll even turn on the notifications. But I don't want to get in the way of us getting to your social media questions. Uh, But right before that, let's go ahead and just jump on this, Nick. Uh, Ake had a very late Bournemouth bid or discussion, depending on who you listen to. Uh, And then... Yeah, let's just start with Aki to Bournemouth. Uh, How crazy would that have been if Chelsea brought him back? Uh, Conte gets a look at him, says he's here to stay, and then they turn around and sell him, even though he's a sub and not a starter. Yeah, that's uh, it kind of came in uh, as the Liverpool match was following, or uh, finishing up, I should say, uh, that they made an 18 million pound bid for him. So, you know, a pretty serious bid um, for a guy who's only played a handful of matches in a Chelsea shirt. Eddie Howe really liked him, wanted to bring him back on loan even. Uh, just was not in the cards for them. I think Antonio Conte rates him pretty highly. Uh, Dan, the other one that came in right at the end was Watford for Begovic. Yeah, a little uh, cash and uh, goalkeeper swap to potentially put them in the position. Uh, swap player deals, uh, friend Jay Cohen, uh, friend of the pod, it really talks about how swap deals are, are almost never likelihood of going to happen. And, you know, I actually feel a little bit better having Begovic for an extra uh, couple matches here. I think it's security, you know, heading into the last part of the season. And, and maybe we can get him a couple starts and, and get him that, you know, winner's medal too. Absolutely. I think that as much as he wants to play, man, that, uh, that shiny winner's medal at the end of the season would do a lot for him if he were to get it. All right, question time. Our friends over at Breathe Chels uh, said, how many consecutive marathons do you think N'Golo Kante could complete before showing signs of fatigue, Nick? Uh, what, Dan? What's an Ironman? Is that, is that my, 10? My question was going to ask, like, has he ever stopped running marathons? Hmm, good point. I, I think he's I think... always been in motion from the moment he's, you know, 
you know, and it basically was created. The moment of conception, he was moving and hasn't stopped since. Yeah, there was there was some strong swimmers there. Um, yeah, I think the 100 maybe, 100 marathons, Brandon, what do you think? Over under on 100 has been set, Twitter followers. Let us know what you guys think. Um, you know, they run about, what, seven, eight miles on average a match, so he's probably up there. Uh, what about at Chelsea Eric underscore says, I've seen we've been linked with an Italian striker, Bellotti and Dembele from Celtic. Do we need another striker? Well, at the time of recording, transfer window has closed, but the question, I guess, stands maybe more long-term, Dan. Do we need another striker, maybe outside of even the two guys that we were kind of last minute linked with yeah i think you know you look what happens in summer we will either evaluate uh, some of our talent i don't think tammy abraham makes the jump next season but you know i think he's definitely one to look at as you know a future striker in a chelsea shirt uh i would imagine that we go back into the market for a a caliber striker to back up diego costa Uh, you, you have to have two players that if one's out of form, the other one goes in and you don't feel like there's a dip in production, especially if we're looking at champions league, FA cup, EFL cup and the league competing for all of them, you have to have depth. And that's where there is a a significant drop off in striker depth between Costa and Batshuayi right now. I would also say that our friends at the Chelsea fan cast are really down on Batshuayi, which is kind of surprising, but, um, but we probably will go in for another striker at some point. Time to trust Kennedy and Ake now. That is from at it's Rahul CR. I apologize in advance, Rahul. Um, I don't know, Nick. I mean, time to trust them. Trust them what? As a sub? As a starter? What, I mean, what do you think? I, I think this is in relation to the poor game that Alonso had. Um, wouldn't shock me, actually, to see Nathan Ake play against Arsenal because I think he has a bit more speed on the flank, um, even though it's not his natural position. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, I think Alonzo, uh, you know, probably, and, and Aka are probably going to, you know, battle for the rest of the season to see who plays Premier League or FA Cup. I just figured it out. It's it's Rahul CR7 for Ronaldo. Okay, okay, I get it. But, Dan, I mean, I'm going to trust Ake over Kennedy because Ake has way more experience yeah i think kennedy couldn't get game time in on loan um he it's uh, i i don't trust him in any capacity right now to go in and start a game i think fa cup sub is probably where his cap is right now in the remainder of the season and that means we need to continue to progress uh, i think ake to next point is the one who can challenge and and push either alonzo to heights or overtake him on that left uh, left wing back option all right last one we've got for today is from at sob fernie cfc but your name is sabrina so we'll go with that because that's way easier she asked is it time for the 352 formation and fabregas especially in those top six games where we struggle to create nick is vehemently shaking his head right now so before he pulls something Go ahead, man. <laughs> Pull my head. Um, yeah, maybe that's what players use as excuse. Um, actually, I, I really like this. I, we had a few questions like this. I think this was the best phrase of these questions. So, yeah, I think as a 
as a possible tactic going forward, maybe at Manchester United, you know, in these big matches, uh, that this is a real option uh, because the game, Dan, the game totally changed when he came on and, and the passes started flowing. He just looks so in control right now that I think this is, you know, you don't lose that much if, if anyone up front is off form and, you know, you could start either Hazard or William or Pedro with Costa. And I, I think this could be a solution that is tailor-made uh, for Antonio Conte. Yeah, I love the use of uh, the tailor-made reference to our, you know, Italian designer slash uh, coach. I think that Sabrina's got it knocked on uh, perfectly that when you deploy that formation, you get to have someone sit in the center and can basically ping the ball around and try to create forward momentum and there are going to be plenty more sides that are going to sit back, especially knowing that the difference between them taking points off us and us taking points is, is so razor thin right now. And every point is so critical to any of these top title challengers that they are going to do every crazy trick to make this difficult for us. Uh, this is not going to be an easy continuous climb to the top and to the end of the season. It is going to be a slog. And I think you know, pretty football is not going to be what we're going to see. I think a lot of teams are going to play us the, the Tony Pulis way. Um, and it is <laughs> the fun football we watched at the beginning of the season is, is not going to be a lot of fun games to watch. I'm just, I, I feel like that's my projection for this year um, or prediction rather. So uh, seeing something like three five two opening up, really cool, you know, long ball passes, creating opportunity, and then executing on those goals, that will be fun to watch. And I think that Conte will continue to use system changes and formations to catch other teams off guard that are, are stuck in, in maybe one kind of mode of play. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I actually disagree. I think that we have two <laughs> options. And one of neither of them are two strikers. We just talked about we do not have striker depth. Now, what I think an option is, is Conte likes to play a 3-6-1, where you literally have like a, a diamond midfield and you have your outside mids. Um, it's, it's essentially still 3-4-3 three, three at the, the midfield. But another option is that we could do a 3 five one one and i think that's what a lot of us are kind of talking about where hazard or william or someone can play in the hole underneath the striker and kind of operate in that gap between the midfield and the back line but if you're saying a pure three five two no because we don't have a second forward we have people who can run in off them and play underneath them but that's what i think so uh, I think there's some variation with a loose defined, loosely defined three-five-two, but not like a pure three-five-two with two strikers. That's where I would say I don't think Chelsea can hack it right now. Um, I did miss a tweet, and I apologize because he would let us know if we didn't answer it. At SP Beal, the name you hear every week says, "Do you think we intentionally play rope a dope at the start of big matches?" And I swear if the answer comes back is yes, then we are all fools in being played because why would they? Why would they not want to start strong and ready to go? Uh, I just think that coming off an FA Cup and rest and a lot of time off, these guys weren't ready for the intensity and pressure uh, that Liverpool play with. I mean, we played a hole before that. Those guys weren't coming at us uh, like we felt. I don't know, Nick, what, what did you think? I mean, it's not on purpose, but it's probably more of an adjustment. 
I don't know. Uh, I might disagree with you here because I, I think in big matches, um, part of the scenario is there's some gamesmanship involved. Like you have, to, you don't just start, you know, the, the Diego in the seventh second the other day, almost getting a goal that, that never happens. So uh, I think there is, there are parts of beginnings of games that you have to, you know, watch what's happening around you. If Louver, if Liverpool would have come out and sat back today, waiting for us to come out, then that would have thrown our team completely off. They didn't. I think the first 10 minutes were just a, a very gamesmanshipy kind of thing. Same with Man City earlier in the year. And then you saw what happened after some adjustments were made. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Antonio Conte tells his team to just not make a mistake early and see where the game starts flowing so that he can make the adjustments um, that are needed. So, Dan, there might be a little bit of error in translation <laughs> here from, you know, SP Beal to myself and Nick. I mean, a lot of different languages flowing here, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think you're both right. And, you know, not not to, to, to bring bring us together and, you know, kind of unity. Yeah, exactly. Let's play some play some bongos and all that wonderful fun stuff afterwards. Um you know, ultimately, I think that there is a level of testing the waters. You know, I think you talk about like wonder strikes the first minute. I'm thinking Pedro goal against you know United and how incredible that was, and that was more a mistake um, that led to that goal. Like we're not creating first, second, third minute goals as as a team, uh, but I, I do think Conte is the type of manager that is making continual adjustments and movements and you know, gesticulations on the sideline to try to get the team to adapt to what's going on in real time. But I, I do think you know, that we are a type of squad that you know some, sometimes is, is slow, just generally to start off. You know, and I, I think that uh, I don't think we're getting played, but I, I think there is a level of trying to understand where we're going to you know have the attack points and who is going to need to be the player that steps up. All right, let us know again on Twitter, email, Facebook, Instagram. Right, you can hit us up there. We're more than happy uh, to answer questions and talk about it. It's you guys have, continue to have good questions, uh, very deep thoughts that we have to provide. All right, last quick break, and then it is time for Arsenal and boys and girls. You do not want to miss this. Here we go. Hey, uh, hey, Dan. If I was looking for a John Obi Mikel or Branislav Ivanovic jersey. Uh, to to remember two two legends at the club, uh, how might I get my hands on one of those without paying $130? Well, uh, I understand you know, times are tough for everyone, Nick, and I want to make sure that we help you out or, or really help our fans out um, because I feel like you have a jersey already. Um, so for yeah. those individuals who don't, you know, they can head over to uh, LondonBluePodcast.com. They can head up our Twitter account. Uh, at London Blue Pod, they can have our Instagram at London Blue Pod. Hit up our Facebook page. Uh, we've got a link to our contest with World Soccer Shop. Uh, it's ending in just a couple of days. Uh, give them a brief couple bits of information. Get select a jersey size of your choice potentially. They're going to do a little raffle, give away two jerseys: one John Obi Mikel, one Branislav Ivanovic. Great way to celebrate these two legends of the club who are now uh, off on the next stage of their career. And uh, we wish them nothing but the best. And we love to wish you. But congratulations if you're the winner. So go ahead, go to our site, enter that contest, and uh, we'll be announcing the winners really soon. Check it out, Chelsea fans. That's all I've got to say because who wouldn't want one? Of course we all do. But guys, girls, Arsenal 
Premier League action at Stamford Bridge this coming Saturday, February 4th. That is crazy to think we are now in February, uh, rolling through the months, guys, very much on the back end of this season. Nick, Wenger is still going to be in the stands with his nice little earpiece trying to you know, pretend to manage from the bleachers, but it's just not going to happen. They lost their first match today without their, well, zipper-challenged leader against Watford. How big or not of an advantage is this? Um, well, we actually... We talked about the, it a little bit in last pod, but now it's more relevant because we've seen them kind of crumble, well, they, they, really. They won their FA Cup match. Um, you know, I think that was without Wenger, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I don't know. I... You know, there there's some out there uh, who say that without him, they'll put up more of a fight because you know he just he doesn't have it <laughs> against Chelsea. Uh, there are others who think that they just are a mentally fragile team. That's where I I reside. Aaron Ramsey got hurt again today for the millionth time since he's been an Arsenal player, so that doesn't hurt uh, our chances as well. And and you know I look, I said this last week, Dan, and I I truly believe it. Uh, Liverpool was going to be the harder of these two tests. Uh, we passed barely, uh, but I think we'll have a comprehensive A on our test this week. Uh, a for Arsenal, an A for Arson, an A for Pass Amen. Clowns. We're going to kick the ever-loving crap out of them. Um, you know, I think especially after drawing a game at Liverpool, which up until uh, later in the match we, we were going to win, um, I think Antonio Conte is going to draw some very quick reminders to the team about the importance uh, at home of just demolishing this team. And, you know, I, I think, again, I think Arson does get wound up in these games. So I do think it gives him a little bit more of a fighting chance for him to not be on the sideline because the individual managing the tactics is not going to be, uh, you know, as gullible uh, potentially as baited by a Diego Costa, uh, you know, fall. I'm not going to say it's a dive. I'm not going to say it's a push. I'm going to say it's a fall because um, gravity is a mean son of a gun. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> there's a, it's going to be a great game. I think everyone is going to be up for it. I think the players are going to be up for it, especially after not taking the win away. I think I think they're going to feel bad about the the effort that they put in, kind of looking back on it and realizing that they, they could have gone you know, six points in these two games. But I, I think four is something that I would be very happy with. Well, it's um, always the big one, right? Uh, for us, you know, the big rivalry. They beat us in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. That is when we uh, decided to stop messing around with the four-two-three-one and transition to the three-four-three. Again, we can thank Arsenal for that wake-up call and showing us that we should make a change. And that inspiration has gotten us to where we are. But, you know, last week, or I guess this last match on Tuesday, uh, Arsenal had Debushi, Sonogo, and Cathorla out injured. Now you can add Ramsey to that list potentially. And they're playing Paulista as a right back the last few games. Shaka is still suspended from his straight red card. How big of an advantage is Chelsea's health for this match, Dan? Does it make us, um, you know, just more imposing and that much bigger of a challenge to Arsenal who – are really good at balancing injuries and being a fragile squad. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, I think when you if you live with fragility, you have to understand what you can and can't do, and it probably makes you more equipped to handle 
those moments. So I think I enjoy the fact that we're going in full strength. We, we have every player, it looks like at this point, you know, before press conference available to tackle Arsenal. And I think, you know, some of those suspensions, I think, you know, uh, Zaha being out or uh, Zaka being out is definitely something that, you know, could impact them. Could, could also have earned them another Reddit card, I'm sure, in this type of game because Diego would probably have fun winding him up. Um, you know, because being out, you know, obviously he, he was there. You know, Santi's the penalty taker for them. So if they were to earn a penalty, it's good that, you know, he's not in the match. Um, yeah, I, I think I like the fact we're going in healthy. I like the fact we're going in on this reverse fixture, getting the opportunity to say uh, say a wonderful thank you to kicking our asses early in the season. And we'd love to return the favor. As it stands, uh, Chelsea 16 total wins to Arsenal's 19 with 14 draws in there. Uh, that's from the last 49 matches played head-to-head. Obviously, we lost 3 nothing at the Emirates Stadium back in September. Uh, last year, as terrible as our season was, we did run the double over them, which was probably the only shining light from that last season. And then as we look at the form guide, Arsenal are coming up off a loss but other than that they are undefeated in the last four matches three wins and a draw same thing with Chelsea except we're not coming off a loss we're coming off a draw to Liverpool a title challenger um you know Nick as you look across the top player stats it's great to see the blue all the way through there except assists with Alexis Sanchez and I think that if we can limit Alexis to only being able to contribute an assist rather than you know going crazy with goals, we're going to be doing pretty well. Yeah, I would anticipate that he plays up front uh, for them in this match. Um, you know, I, I don't think this will be a match for, uh, for the, the big uh, uh, attractive Frenchman that they have on their team. So uh, Diego leading with the goals, I think he needs to get back in this week, uh, this weekend. Uh, I would anticipate that Sesk plays this week. Um, maybe in place of Nemanja Matic, considering the midfield for Arsenal is going to be pretty weak. So I think we might have our run of the the game there. Uh, Dave with passes, just killing everybody in the club. And uh, uh, N'Golo Conte, uh, he has, N'Golo Conte has 26 more tackles than the nearest Arsenal player, which is Coquelin at 52. So uh, that shouldn't be a surprise because he's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I look at this match. I think the the major matchup is how our front three interchange this match at home. You know, we have to be dominant. We have to go out and try and and hit them uh, early, get a goal, wreck their confidence, uh, and then you know maybe put three or four by them. I also think Pedro should start this game. Agreed, hundred percent. You don't have to worry about the physicality of Arsenal. Obviously, you're gonna have to wear out the movement, uh, and that is something that they are much more um, dangerous with. Is what they can do to you. So um, it, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a, a tough match. Obviously, we know that um, as Liverpool really rose to the occasion against us, so will Arsenal. There's there's no doubt about it. We can only try our hardest as fans to spur on the team so that the content on Arsenal TV can continue. Mm-hmm. To melt down and burn that club down, their fan base is crazy. My question is: Do we all have a favorite character on Arsenal fan TV? 
f- favorite or like funniest to watch meltdown i think might be the claude yeah claude, claude is oh, he's so good he's so uh, angry who's the guy with the is, hat though i like the guy with the hat i, I don't even, uh, i don't know his name on purpose uh, the one but. the one who's like super swagged out with all the arsenal gear right right, right yeah, yeah he's got the yeah, headphones looks like, on. Looks, looks like a mega store ad like just walking around <laughs> yeah he's hilarious like i gotta i gotta give him i, I didn't learn his name on purpose because why would i bother storing that in my brain but uh i think the i think he's funny claude is the obvious pick but you have to go outside of claude to to get where the real hatred and, and vengeance against wenger is uh, and then also the one guy who was going on like the fam rant and the bloods earlier this season i, I he doesn't appear often but i've seen him a couple times and he is also quite enjoyable all right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this up with some bold, bold predictions or not. We'll see what you guys do. Uh, what's the verdict, Nick? If Chelsea win against Arsenal, do we now have one hand on the title? Question back, is it May? Answer, no. Then no. All right, Dan, dare to dare to be different? I think as long as we're in first place, we have our hands on the title. So until uh, such a point that we are not in first place, then then we don't. So right now we absolutely have a hand on it. It's just a matter of staying there. Fair enough. I like it. Well, let us know what you guys think. That is uh, it for us today in this episode. It ran a little bit long, but when you've got Liverpool and Arsenal in the same week on sandwiched between, or I guess your social media questions that are awesome sandwiched between, it's going to be awesome. We love it. Thank you guys so much for helping us put this podcast on. Final thoughts, gentlemen, and then we're going to wrap it up. Dan, what do you have for everybody? You know, uh, thanks for listening to the Megapod, uh, first and foremost. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I think, again, uh, you know, uh, huge servant of the club, Vanovich leaves today, uh, Zen at St. Petersburg. Uh, just, again, we've I think we waxed poetic about him last time. I think it's, you can never talk too much about everything that he's done and, you know, I think we were kind of amiss last episode. We only talk about like just how much he contributed from a goal scoring standpoint. And, uh, you know, our friend Jake Cohen was tweeting out some stats and you just, I think you forget about how much of an influence he had, uh, not just in our defensive game, but also in our attacking game. And, uh, you know, bon voyage, Vanovich, we'll miss you. Absolutely. Dan Levine also reinforcing that saying that, you know, Ivanovich was so true to the character of the club more than so many other players. Uh, he really just got it uh, and definitely instilled that in the locker room. Nick, what about you, sir? I'm going to go slightly off color, uh, something that is a little bit near and dear to my heart right now. And that is um, some some U.S. politics, um, not to go crazy on it, but I just want to you know, I think say for myself and probably for the other two gentlemen on our podcast that we are lover of people. Um, regardless of what's coming out in the news, uh, we have fans from all over the world that we are uh, incredibly blessed with and uh, would uh, would pass along a message if you're listening anywhere else in the world that uh, this podcast is, is pro people. Um, soccer is the world's game. Football is the world's game. Uh, we are blessed to be a part of this community and uh, we'll continue to fight for that uh, for that freedom. Amen. We- we do have a very global audience and appreciate all of you tweet at us. Let us know where you listen from. That's always a fun game, uh, but let's go ahead and just wrap it up. Thank you all for listening, especially you who are still listening. You're the true heroes of this podcast. 
listening all the way to the end. So if You're the you Angolo Conte of listening. Absolutely. <laughs> in for the long haul, the marathon. All right. Well, if you you do listen this long, then you know what's next, everybody. Until next time, it's Arsenal Week, baby. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.